If we as conservatives stand for anything, it should be to tell our young people that one of the most beautiful things you can do is to get married and have kids. And right now, that is increasingly difficult. Young people say, well, it's just too expensive to get married and have children. It's just too difficult. Or, I don't want to participate in the patriarchy. What a robbery of joy to think that children, young people, are growing up and being told that there's something oppressive or tyrannical about the covenant between a man and a woman and having children. Hey, we as conservatives, if there's anything that we stand for, it is to be fruitful and to multiply. And if you look at what the left is trying to do, less children because human are a stain on the environment. One of the reasons why our generation, it's very sad, is the most depressed, suicidal, alcohol addicted, and drug addicted generation in history is the stuff that gives you meaning they have been told is evil. That was the voice of Charlie Kirk, the founder of Turning Point USA, familiar to many of you because of Charlie's just exploded in his influence. And thank God for that. And no, we're not talking to Charlie today. I've known Charlie since he was a kid. He grew, he was from my area of Chicago. And sometime we will talk to him. Uh, but today I want to give you an idea of the brilliance of this young man in bringing on a team like the gentleman who's coming up next. Charlie's expanding his outreach to educating our kids uh, in a very broad and strategic way. And so we're going to talk about that, plus the bonus, if it is a bonus, is an incredibly dramatic story of near death at Midway Airport by our next guest. So it's a twofer. It's uh, all about the good things that Charlie's doing through t uh, Turning Point USA through our next guest, and then our next guest's incredible personal story. So you'll want to stay tuned to hear both things. You know, according to a recent study of hundreds of post-abortive women, 60% of women report that they would have preferred to give birth if they had received more support from others and had more financial security. Well, that's where preborn steps in. Preborn is there for women in their darkest hour. And by the way, so are you by helping and contributing. Now, you make it possible. Uh, because women then are deciding between life and death for their precious child. You know, the reality is women are being pressured to make this decision and are being told that their babies are just a clump of cells. Preborn welcomes women with God's love and introduces them to the beautiful life growing inside of them, which doubles their baby's chance of life. And when you support preborn, you not only support women, you Make it possible for the babies to live, too. If you want to help, and I know you do because so many of you have, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. You can call us at 662-821-2040, 662-821-2040. You can write us at Sandy at AFR.net. You can listen on any podcast platform, whatever your favorite is including AFR.net, which is the way, it's our home base. It's where we post the podcast every day. You can go to Apple, Spotify, all of them. You can also go to SandyRios.com. That's a really easy way to listen. It's a great way to recommend friends who are not podcast savvy to listen. SandyRios.com. All right, this, honestly, we've told you a lot of great stories lately, but this, there's just none better than this one. So sit back. 
and relax and enjoy this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. All right, Sandy Rios with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. And here we are at the Pray Vote Stand Radio Row at the Omni Shoreham in Washington, D.C. And this is the conference sponsored by Family Research Council, AFA Action, and a bunch of other great groups. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say about our next guest. I'll just say, I, I say this a lot, and I think it gets really annoying <laughs> because I do know so many of the people I interview, and I say that a lot, and I hope your ears don't get tired of hearing it. But the guy sitting in front of me really is a dear friend, he and his wife and family, and um, he has done accomplished so much, and I've just seen him be so effective in so many roles, and so it's time you met him, because Dr. Hutz Hertzberg is now the Chief Education Officer for Turning Point Academy, that's Charlie Kirk's uh, T, um, Turning Point USA, and um, Hutz, thank you for joining me. It is so good to be with you, Sandy. Thank you so much. Yeah, we, I, we should say, uh, um, I'm going to talk about all your accolades in a minute, but uh, we met, you, were you even married when we first met? I don't think so. I, I have a distinct memory of meeting you when you were broadcasting live from the lobby of Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. That's right. And that may not have been the first time we met, but I was dean of the chapel there. So you were just right outside my office, and you were broadcasting live. You probably don't even remember that. I do that. I, I do actually you? do, because we were doing, uh, what's the point? This, this, the, the big thing then was bioethics. Oh, or, yes, uh-huh. Yeah, the yeah, Center yeah, for Bioethics, yeah. John Kilner. And, yeah, okay. And, and uh, so you were broadcasting yeah, live that there. Was that, yeah. That's what I love. I loved it. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. so that's... Well, Hutz, uh, you've worn a lot of hats, and we're going to talk about Turning Point Academy. In fact, we, <laughs> I don't know where to start. Each of these has a story. Let me just say, uh, Hutz most recently was the president of Christian Heritage Academy, which is in Northfield, Illinois, and that's where Charlie Kirk graduated, right? Well, he didn't graduate, but something more important happened, Sandy. I have to tell you, I'll give you the, the quick version. So Christian Heritage Academy, a, a Christian school, K-12, through northern suburbs of Chicago, and so a young Charlie Kirk, third, fourth, and fifth grade, is at our school. <clears throat> and in Mrs. Cindy Weber's class, fifth grade year, Charlie Kirk commits his life to Jesus Christ. That sets the trajectory of his life. And for whatever reason, his folks, not because of that, but his folks put him in uh, public school after fifth grade, maybe because of financial reasons, I'm not sure why. But the Lord had him there long enough that he came to know the Lord in a personal way. And so, so grateful that uh, that happened, of course. And that's how I got connected with Charlie Kirk, because now I come and serve as president in 2017. And uh, one of his former classmates is working at the school. And he said, 
Hutz, do you know Charlie Kirk? And I said, no, I, I don't know Charlie Kirk. And he started telling me about him. And he, I said, sounds like a wonderful young man. Love to meet him. And uh, next thing I know, I get, <coughs> excuse me, I get a text from Charlie Kirk. Congratulations on being named president. If there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know. Which I found out was really typical of Charlie, as I've gotten to know him now over the years. And so he became a friend, a donor, supporter. And then fast forward about four or five years later, when he was looking for someone to fulfill in this role, he reached out to me, or step into this role, and that's that's how I came into this role as chief education officer. Yeah. Hey, you have your Ph.D. Did you go to Trinity? It was Trinity, wasn't it? I did. It? I'm yeah. a three-time Trinity grad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. So a lot of time, uh, effort, yeah. and money invested yeah, in Trinity. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I get that. <laughs> you know, my son just got his Ph.D., I think you know that, and, uh, in uh, St. Andrews. Would have been much better for him to go to Trinity yeah. with the expense. Oh my goodness! But right, it, right. Anyway. My brother-in-law graduated from St. Andrews. Uh -huh. Oh yes, I David do. Sanchez. Yes, mm -hmm. of course. Yeah. That's another story. Yes, I did yeah. know that. Um, okay, so Hutz uh, people will want to know. Most of them have heard of Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA. It's grown to be this monolithic uh, influence. Uh, Charlie has a. If it's a radio show for Salem, I'm pretty sure it's on Salem, right? Is the podcast on Salem? It, it, yeah, it's uh, it's both radio and TV. Oh, okay. Uh, but okay. on the Salem Network, you're correct. Yes. Well, mm -hmm. that was where I started, radio, uh -huh. Salem Network. Yes, I remember. Uh, <laughs> so um, tell us about, well, quantify first of all, can you a little bit, the size of Turning Point? I can. Uh, interestingly, Turning Point USA is just 10 years old. So let me, let me just take a, a quick step backwards because you'll find this very interesting. So now Charlie goes to Wheeling High School in the Chicagoland area, very close to, to where we can still live. And uh, he's getting ready to go. He's applying to the West Point and other colleges. And um, men in the community, Barrington, other area, uh, area uh, sit communities, heard, have heard Charlie speak and know what, knew what his passion and interest was. And they said, Charlie, don't waste your time going to college we will support you now in doing what you believe that you're supposed to do and, and really trying to bring a conservative voice to colleges and universities and working with the college students. So long story short, Charlie does not go to college at 18 years of age. He launches Turning Point USA. Uh, fast forward now 10 years later, 10, 11 years later, and uh, Charlie is all of 29. And uh, the organization has grown to um, almost 400 employees. Uh, the headquarters is based in Phoenix, Arizona. My division, which is one of the newer divisions, Turning Point Academy, is actually based in Chicago at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. But the organization is, is growing in so many different ways. It would take all of our time for me to tell you all the different tentacles and areas that uh, Turning Point is having influence. But the main focus continues to be uh, uh, facilitating college chapters and now high school chapters. Um, so students who have interest or willing to be influenced for conservative values have a place to go. And on so many college campuses, there's every kind of liberal, progressive, radical, wacko voice. Very few have a place for conservative students or even those that are interested in conservative values to go. This last year, we were on approximately 750 college and university campuses. We've almost maxed out the colleges and universities, not quite. And we were on 723 high school chapters. And these are not just, you know, groups, quasi-groups. These are groups that have been officially chartered. They've gone through the process. 
and every year they have to do it again. So it's not like these are just names on the roll. These are actually uh, active high school or college chapters. We had 723 high school chapters. This year, the goal is 1,000 high school chapters. But I say all that, Sandy, just to say that that's just one area. I mean, we have Turning Point Faith now, which is doing some incredible things with pastors in churches, not unlike what we're hearing here at FRC, Pray Vote Stand Conference. In fact, I just came from our pastor's summit in San Diego just overnight, and uh, we had 1,100 pastors gathering in San Diego to hear from some of the very same people that are speaking here and, and many others, and uh, just a credible opportunity to try to influence in the right sense of the word pastors to understand what's happening in our culture today. And of course, then I lead the education division, but there's several other areas as well that are, we're having influence in, and I'm very, very thankful for that. You know, it's always important to have good health care coverage. Everybody knows that. You know that. People who are poor and can't afford it certainly know that. It's the reason why people go get jobs, because they look at the health care benefits. They actually sometimes choose jobs more on that than they do on the profession itself. And sometimes the salary means less if there are medical benefits. You know it's important. And there's a whole new way to get your health care needs met, and that's through Christian Healthcare Ministries. Now, the way is new. I'm talking about historically new. Christian Healthcare Ministries have been around for a long time, but perhaps it's new to you to pool your resources with other Christians on your healthcare needs uh, so that when your time of need comes, there's money there, and when others have a time of need, the money's there for them. That's how it works. Uh, They have a great network. You can travel abroad, they're in all 50 states. They have various plans, uh, you know, just for different price levels. Uh, they have telehealth medicine. It's, uh, and then, of course, you can use your own doctor. You can go to your, the hospital that you like. It's Christian Healthcare Ministries. And if you would like to check it out, it's open enrollment all the time. chministries.org slash Sandy. That's chministries.org slash Sandy. That's uh, way back, I think... When it wasn't popular, you and Lynn, your wife now, who's a good friend too, um, have always been fully devoted to Christ, but also concerned and active about the culture. You've always done it ever since mm. I met you. Mm. And um, so now at Turning Point, what is the approach on these campuses? Do you lead with the gospel or do you lead with world uh, worldview and issues and then that leading to the gospel? How do you do that? Well, Turning Point Academy, which again is the education division of Turning Point USA, uh, what we're seeking to do is really five major pillars. Uh, We're seeking to to seed or start Christian, classical, conservative, church-based, and cost-affordable schools. We call it our 5C model. Now, that's just one of the things we're doing, and I can lay out the other things that we're doing as well. So we make no bones about it that we believe true education has to be Christ-centered, has to be God-centered, has to be biblically-based to get a fully-orbed education. Anything less than that is less than a true, full education. But in terms of the chapters that are on college and high school campuses, is it a requirement to be a Christian to be a part of those groups? No. Are many of the kids Christian that are part of those groups? Yes. Um, But really, it's helping those students understand the conservative values that our country has been based on all and, and is founded on and 
in so many places and ways has been lost in the understanding of this generation of students. In a lot of cases, Sandy, no fault of their own. It's just that that's no longer part of their education. So they, they just don't have any understanding. And those that do, you know, we try to encourage them and bring them along. So they, they come to our conferences. They come to our events. We had a fantastic Young Women's Leadership Summit down in uh, Dallas this summer. We had, uh, I think it was close to 2,000 young women that were there. Uh, our America Fest uh, gatherings, 15,000. We have a leadership uh, summit we did down in uh, Palm Beach, West Palm Beach back in uh, July. And we had uh, seven, 800 of the sharpest of the sharpest uh, leaders in colleges and high schools across the country. So we're doing a lot of different things. But in, in answer to your question, it's conservative-based, conservative values that are really rooted in Judeo-Christian ethic. You know, um, I know um, we've probably never discussed this, but I do feel God called me to be like the radio Christian radio talk show host to the Gentiles. So the show that I started in Chicago before I actually even, I think, met you because I was there twice. And I just felt like God laid it on my heart to uh, not do a Christian-styled show. Yeah. And now that there would never be a denial of faith, I'd share, I'd right. read scripture when it was appropriate. Right. Uh, news stories, respond with hopefully God's point of view. And I feel like God laid on me this verse that uh, Paul said, the law is the teacher leading men to God. Hmm. And by be speaking about truth on these issues, uh, and again, I'm, I'm not talking about hiding that I'm a Christian, right. or it's, but the issues draw people in. And, um, and then they realize what's at the root of the issues. And I, the law is the teacher. God's law, God's principles is the teacher that leads men to Christ. Kathy, or, uh, Sandy, that is so well said. And that's exactly, you're doing what Charlie Kirk is doing only ahead of your time. Oh. Because that's exactly what Charlie does. He's trying to bring his faith to bear in the public square, bring his faith to bear in the culture of of politics and government and citizenship and all of that, and he does not hold back. He is uncompromising speaking about what he believes to be true, but his organization, the organization I'm a part of, is not a Christian organization per se. It's a conservative student organization that is is bringing those values to bear in in the public square. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to get personal with you, and I I don't know how, this is so dramatic that I don't know if you can go here, but I'll, I'll ask you, because on June the 23rd of 2018, you had an incredible experience at Midway Airport, made all made the news everywhere, uh, you did interviews, but uh, tell us if you can, what happened that day? You know, I love talking about it because at the end of the day, it really isn't about me. It's about what the God did, about what the Lord did. I just, my only contribution to what I'm going to share with you is that I dropped dead. And so everything else was what everybody else did. And so that's why I love to share the story because it really isn't a story about me. But in, in, in a nutshell, um, that we were leaving to go on a family trip, a, a, a special weekend trip down to Nashville. And then my wife and daughter were going to go up to a place in upstate New York called Camp of the Woods. And I was going to stay on for a week-long conference in education, Christian education. So that morning, I'm running around doing all the final things, drive to the airport, park the car, take all our luggage in. And it was a lot of luggage because Lynn and Holly were going to be gone for five or six weeks. Um, And so now uh, we go up to the chapel. Here's the real interesting thing, among other things, 
is that for the last 30 years, I've been responsible for the Protestant chapel ministries at both O'Hare and Midway Airport. No one really knows about that because, first of all, we don't make a big deal about it, but second of all, is because people don't even think in those categories. But, for example, even this last week, we did 17 chapel services at Midway Airport. No kidding. And, and that's every week. That's not just the unusual weeks. But anyway, so I went up there to connect with our chaplains. And so now it's time for us to, to leave our flight or go for our flight. So the big question was, what restroom should we use? Should we use the one right below the chapel where there's not many people or one closer to the gate? We, we decide in God's providence, we're going to use the one right underneath the chapel on the, the main concourse there. So go in the bathroom, and Lynn and Holly go into the women's room. Now I'm washing my hands at the sink, and I remember the, uh, the janitor being next to me, and I remember thanking him for keeping the bathroom so nice. And I turn to dry my hands. He turns to go into the janitor's closet, and in that one second, I'm in full cardiac arrest. Now I had no pains. We weren't under stress for time. There was nothing from a human level that precipitated it. I had no idea what was going on on the inside, but it, a lot of times at the airport, you're under stress, you're running, you're racing, whatever. That wasn't the case. I had no chest pains. I had no numbness. I had nothing. And um, so in that one second, I'm in full cardiac arrest. I hit the floor. The janitor comes back out. He doesn't know what to do. I'm turning blue. I'm as stiff as a board. I'm in a contorted position. Uh, of course, I didn't know any of this, but you know, no pulse, no breathing. And, uh, but in God's providence, I fall, and if you can think in terms of airports where you normally can see like the first part and then the airport, the bathrooms didn't make a left, a left dog leg yeah. or a right dog leg. Right. There was enough of me that fell where that people from the, the concourse who were walking by could actually see that there was a man down. And so the poor janitor, all he did, he brought a, a roll of toilet, big roll of toilet, put it under my head. He didn't know what to do. Meanwhile, people are walking by, no one does anything. There's a little 10-year-old girl. It's an amazing story. A little 10-year-old girl, she sees that there's a man down in the entryway to the men's room. And she has the wherewithal to run to get a police officer. And then she runs all the way down to the USO lounge where her dad and, and mother and sister are waiting for their flight. And so she tells her dad, Dad, there's a man down that, and, and so he's a former, again, in God's providence, an Air Force EMT. So he, he comes running. He's the first medical person, semi-medical person, although now he's working for Compassion International. And, um, but here's the bigger part of the story. They have a nonstop flight that day from Raleigh-Durham to Denver. They get to the airport, and they said, sorry, sir, your flight has been canceled. We can get you to Denver, but sorry, you've got a, a two-hour layover in Chicago. For this guy. For this guy. This guy. He, wasn't yeah. even, he wasn't even planning to be in there. Their, their family, Chicago was, when they woke up that morning, Chicago was not on their radar. And so he's, he's the first one there. The second man on the scene, I've got to tell you, every one of these is an amazing story. And I'm, you cut me off if I'm going too long here. No, please. The, the second person, arm, a former Army nurse, big guy, 300 pounds, arm, a Desert Storm, Desert Shield. He's got a prosthetic leg. He told us later, and this is all, all this that I'm telling you is things that, that I learned later. Um, he said, I never get to the airport early. He said, I cut it as, er, as late as I possibly can. If I can get there five minutes before my flight, I feel like that's a win. And, uh, but he's in Chicago for a conference. And he said, for whatever reason, he said, I just felt like it was time to go to the airport. He gets there four hours early. Here's a guy that never gets to the airport early. 
let alone four hours early. So he's the second guy, comes through security, sees there's a little bit of commotion there at the men's room. He goes over to the first man, Rick, and, uh, and, and this man's name is Dan, and Dan says, Rick, you need some help? He said, yes, this is what we have here. So meanwhile, <laughs> there's two ladies, both of them are not even flying. And so you just think how hard it is to get behind security now when you're not flying, but they're both seeing loved ones off. One is a, um, a current nurse, the other one that uh, works um, in, in the emergency room. And so they both jump in. So now I've got four people that don't know each other, that um, had no idea that they'd be doing anything like this. And one is giving uh, mouth to mouth, one is um, administering the chest compressions. The big guy, Rick, broke every, uh, Dan broke every bo- uh, rib in my chest. Did, not, did not he seriously? Yeah, not complaining because he kept oh. my heart flowing. And then one of the gals is um, administering the, um, what, what do you call the, uh, the AED. Oh, yeah. And so they, they did that uh, twice. And meanwhile, you know, the police are finally there and, you know, and they're calling for the, uh, the ambulance and they get stuck in traffic. They come in through the wrong door. They don't get there until like 15 minutes after the event is, is almost over. And um, so these four people got orchestrated from four different states to save my life. And so they get a very weak pulse, they get a very shallow breathing, I'm still totally unconscious. Um, and Rick later told us, the first man on the scene, he said when they took you in the, uh, it wasn't even a full stretcher, they just had a chair and I guess I was just laying off, it was, it was, it was bad. Uh, he said that I felt so bad for your wife and daughter because I knew that that would be the last time that they would see you. and. Um, so, and again, I, there's so many dimensions to this, Sandy, so you cut me off, but I'll just say this. So when Lynn and Holly come out of the, the women's room, you know, they're, they're upbeat, they're excited, you know, we're going to take this family trip. The last thing they're thinking is they're going to see <clears throat> their husband and their father, you know, down on the floor, you know, let alone in the serious situation that I was. So by the time they come out, now there's a little ring of people around there, and they're working on me, and, and all Lynn sees is shoes that look like mine and she says to Holly those look like dad's shoes and it occurred to her that is me so she had the wherewithal to send Hiley away to a, a family who was sitting off to the side a, a mom and two girls um, and just the mom just immediately took the girl and uh, took our girl and began to divert her attention I mean she just had all the mom instincts um, and later did we realize that she was the wife of the first man on the scene working on me. And the girl that was sitting next to Holly was the little 10-year-old girl that had the wherewithal to go get help. So, But we didn't know any of that at that time. And so, anyways, they take me to McNeil Hospital and and, um, the rest of the story is that I survived by God's grace. Well, that's just the very first part of Hutz's story. It really is jaw-dropping and you've only heard part of it. And we're going to continue with this discussion on the next episode, preborn. Speaking of being pro-life, you know, as I said, we are pro-life for people from zero to you know a hundred. We believe life is sacred, and that's why we partner with preborn. And this has to do specifically with the life of babies in the mother's womb, the fresh bit of life, not the end of life, uh, where some of us are approaching, but the fresh breath of brand new life in the in the womb of a mom who because of the circumstances of her pregnancy, sometimes cannot celebrate the joy of that. Isn't that sad in itself? So that's why God lays out the order of things, and that's, it's our, his, our protection 
that he does not want us to be engaging in sexual intercourse with lots of people. Uh, It's a disruption of the joy that he intended at the conception and birth of every child. But with that brokenness in mind, there's other redemptions possible. I believe Preborn offers redemption for moms and their children by providing free ultrasound so that moms can make a better choice, and that choice would be to keep their baby. If you would like to help, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. That's again, preborn.com slash Sandy. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. A year to the day after collapsing at Midway International Airport, Hutz Hertzberg reuniting with the Good Samaritans who saved his life. It's an amazing thing that four people would jump in to save a complete stranger. The Glenview resident was waiting for a flight with his wife and eight-year-old daughter when he suddenly went into cardiac arrest. No pulse, no breathing. He goes starting CPR, and we started from that point. Turns out at that very moment, there were two nurses and two EMTs in the terminal. You don't think twice. It's an automatic response. You, you run to the to the area. Rick Yarbrough, Erica Van Hook, Dan Blasini, and Bridget Tyler instantly became a team. Helping to hyperextend his neck a little bit so that um, oxygen would be adequate to his lungs. Performing CPR, shocking Hertzberg's heart with a defibrillator, all while wondering if the patient would survive. I kind of felt sorry for her and their daughter because that would probably be the last time they saw him. But remarkably, Hertzberg lived to thank his heroes in person a year later. He's grateful to all, especially Yarbrough's then 10-year-old daughter, Michaela, who was the first to alert police and her father. The impact not lost on Hertzberg or Michaela's dad either. Says a lot about kids nowadays. They watch us more than what we think and be willing to jump in and help people because the generation behind us is following us. Making this story all the more remarkable, Hertzberg made a full recovery, something his doctor says he's seen just three times with out-of-hospital cardiac arrests. All right, that was an ABC report in Chicago uh, describing the incident that Hutz has begun to tell us the story of. We have the rest of the story with a lot more details of miraculous, miraculous intervention by bystanders uh, in the next episode. And we're going to get to that, but um, I've asked Bruce to join me. It's, uh, as, it, as it happens, um, Hutz and his wife Lynn and their daughter Hailey are very, very close friends of ours. We were in Bible study with them. He was one of our pastors at Moody Church in Chicago, and uh, we were there when they, we were right there when their baby was born. Um, so we have a, we, they're close to us. Uh, but Bruce, still hearing that story, and you, Midway Airport is just like that's home base for us, isn't it? It sure is. Um, that's uh, we fly Southwest often, and that's sort of their home base there. So yeah. we can picture when he describes the first part of this story, where he collapses in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of just oh, a picture? A- absolutely. You know, in an airport. Uh, you, you know, you have the walkway, and usually you'll have the um, the people movers there, and then there's openings for the restroom. And a lot of times it'll be, you know, men to the left, women to the right, and they'll have a little divider between them. Well, I think as Hutz described, when he hit the floor, his feet were extending out past where the doorway started 
into that area where the divider is. And that's the reason that the little girl walking by saw him. Isn't that something? And, you know, we've been there so many times, and it's Chicago. Now, people in Chicago are great. It's not like New York. Uh, people in Chicago are tough. <laughs> They're tougher than nails. Oh, but they they are really uh, concerned. They, you know, firemen, people, nurses, they are an engaged citizenry. People love to help you in Chicago. If you're yeah. standing on a corner and you look like you don't know where you're going, someone will tell you how to get there. They may not tell you the right way to get there, but they will try to tell you the way to get there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, one other irony in this story, and I, I think Hutz mentions it, but I think it goes by fast. He was the chaplain for all the airports. Now, Chicago's huge. We've got O'Hare's, what, I don't know, 10 times as big as Midway. Midway's big. Yes. Uh, But he, Hutz was over all of that when this happened. Yeah. But in that case, he's just a man. Nobody knows who he is. It it really is ironic because Hutz has um, laid out for you just what a large... um, undertaking this is to have you know catholic mass uh, uh open services muslim service i mean they they service all kinds of every people son, every every yeah. every day, day really yeah multiple times a day this yeah. is not like sunday chapel this is every day both at o'hare and at midway now and huts gave part of his resume there's no way to give all of it but if you look back on the, when i first met huts because I knew him years ago before he and Lynn, he's, he was a bachelor for years, which is a kind of a cool story. But he was uh, with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He was always serving. His heart has always been to help people, to serve people, uh, and even at his own the expense of his own health. We've seen him just exhaust himself in the ministry. So it's it's really kind of um, in conjunction with that, that. That was just one role he played as a chaplain at the airports. Well, that just gives you a glimpse uh, into what happened. Again, we will finish up the rest of this story in the next episode. And, and I don't think you're going to want to miss that. It was just more of God's miraculous interventions, one right after another, right after another, right after another. It's a wonderful story. And uh, I trust that you'll want to listen to the next edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. But before you do that, I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. If you would like to uh, give a generous donation to Saving Lives in a Different Way or chministries.org slash Sandy. Can you imagine? The importance of healthcare after this story today, as though you didn't already know, very important. chministries.org slash Sandy. Well, I do appreciate you listening so much. Bruce, thank you for joining me. My pleasure, especially to talk about Hudson. Mm-hmm. such a wonderful man. Yeah, and we'll be back to discuss it in the second edition. So uh, stay tuned to the next episode of Sandy Rios 24-7. <laughs>